This is Two Girls, One Mike, the show that talks about the holes and plot holes of your favorite porn. Welcome to Two Girls, One Mike, the porncast that wants to be clear of the signs of the male orgasm. It doesn't exist. I'm your co-host, Alice Vaughn, and with me I have my gorgeous co-host, Kate Kennedy. Kate, how do you feel about the male orgasm? It's all for the female gaze. Change my mind. Uh, you know, I mean, I always tell the dudes, just like, look, I'm going to make you come in like three pumps. You could try on me for 300, and it's not going to happen. So you come, I'll clean up, and then we'll just get my Hitachi out and call it a day. It's easy, efficient. I'm a busy lady. I don't got time. Look, the spasm that they have right as they're pretending to come is just an evolutionary reaction triggered to make you think you've done it so that way you could go to sleep right after. That's all it is. I do find it relaxing. It's like white noise. I put it on in my headphones before I go to sleep at night. I'm like, all right, my work here is done. So the white noise is just a bunch of dudes going, uh, uh. It's just a dude going like, uh, uh. oh my God, Kate, that was amazing. <laughs> just keep it on a loop. So it's not them coming, it's just them telling you how great you are. That's yeah, really much. what you want to fall asleep to. Uh-huh. It's my meditation soundtrack, too. It just, like, really psychs me up. The question is, are they faking the orgasm, or are they faking telling you how amazing you are? Uh, you know, I think it would be really unfair to blame anyone for that, given how many times I have told someone it was amazing and was just being polite. Yeah, this is true. They're never going to afterwards say, oh, this was Okay. <laughs> But see, I never ask them how it was because I just assume, like, if, you know, they like it, we'll do it again. But some people volunteer, like, that was the greatest. And I'm like, I hope so. Or they're like, I came a whole bunch. I'm like, maybe you did. I don't know. Well, you know, that's, that's for you to know. I would like to think that I did. I gave it my all. I tried. <laughs> I just never believe anyone. I've heard too many of these stories of like, yeah, we're always faking it. So I just assume you're always, somebody's lying at some point. Either you're not always faking it or... The people I'm with are faking it more than they say. But So we know about women faking it on set. Do you guys ever fake it on set? Oh, yes. All the time. Yeah. Usually it's uh, if a guy's using Caverject, which for people who don't know, it's basically like shooting uh, Viagra into your dick. Uh, so it gets your dick hard, but you can't feel it. It's not as sensitive anymore. So a lot of times they will have to fake orgasms if they can't come. Or if it's an internal cream pie we don't need to ejaculate because usually you can't see it. So you pump fake cum inside of them. And also for softcore sex, they'll fake yeah. internal orgasms. So guys actually fake orgasms on set almost as much as women do. That might not be true, but they do. I'm trying to think if you've ever had a guy fake an orgasm so poorly that you're like, actually, we have to reshoot this. We did in softcore, but nobody cared because it's softcore and we all hate doing softcore, but it was it was really terrible. Like he was making a joke of it and it was bad. I've had it happen before where it was supposed to be a facial and the guy did come, but he didn't come barely at all. Like there was nothing there. It was yeah. like one little line. And then they do have to reshoot it, but they have his dick and then there's like a basically a squirt gun full of right. Cetaphil behind him that's like shooting out onto you. And they do that for pictures too. Like if you see a picture of a girl covered in cum, it's 100,000% Cetaphil. It's not. No. Nobody comes that much. If you are, you should see a doctor. And that's actually one of my jobs is to do the fake cum on people. So, yeah, that's my work. If you're seeing those pictures, you're enjoying my work. You're welcome. Should we introduce the uh, incredible artist that we have on our podcast today, Alice? 
We should. So he has 60 IMDb credits as a production manager, but he's pretty much done it all. Uh, Writer, director, I want to say at this point as well. Yep. Like basically everything except the fucking. Uh, So Sean, Sean Alf? Yes. Please tell me. Why am I saying this with a question mark? I don't know. I think it's because people are like, is that a stage name? And I'm like, why would I ever choose Alf as a stage name? That's a great stage name for a mill. Is it? Yeah. The biggest thing about Alf was that he eats pussies. That's true. He eats cats. No. He literally eats cats. He wanted to eat cats. He couldn't eat cats. It was a whole metaphor because it was the guy, Jerry Stahl, who wrote Permanent Midnight. He was a heroin addict and he lived in Los Feliz. So the cats in ALF was a metaphor for heroin. He always wanted to have it, but he couldn't. Learn something new about ALF. Yeah, so he didn't actually eat the pussies. He just wanted to, which is kind of like my life, too, I guess. So it translates. Huh. Really into <laughs> heroin? Jerry Stahl, yeah. He was a writer. He wrote Oh, I no, and... I thought you s- yourself were. Oh, no, no. No, I think no. he was saying oh, okay. he wanted to eat the pussies, not yes. do heroin. Yes, yes. But Although couldn't. I'm sure I would like heroin, too. I just haven't opened that door. Yeah, so maybe when I'm older, when I'm 80 or so, I'll be like, you know, it's time. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm definitely on board for the we should let elderly people have as many drugs as possible. I think that would be great. Fewer of them would vote. (laughs) (laughs) You're not going to go like vote for a Republican when you're chasing the dragon. Like, just keep them really busy. (laughs) You don't got time to vote. Oh, that's why you cast your vote for Gary Johnson. (laughs) Imagine what kind of edibles your grandma would make. Best goddamn chocolate chip cannabis edibles ever, straight from Granny's Kitchen. The problem with your grandparents doing opium or heroin, you couldn't share drugs with them because they don't care. They don't give a fuck. Like, yeah, this might kill me. Like, you know what I mean? You you couldn't trust their stash. No. Well, and also they wouldn't share with you anyways because they'd be like, I had to build myself up for my bootstraps <laughs> yeah. and I had to get score this heroin by myself. You young generation is so soft. Can't even get your own fucking opium. <laughs> But the problem is, like, every generation has their pull their, themselves up by their bootstrap story. So for millennials, we had to go through AOL and buffering. And it, it is, it's only going to get progressively worse. Now we have the TikTok generation, but before that we had Vine. So it's like, back in my day, we had a whole video editor. It wasn't built into the platform. Right. Can I just tell you, I'm so convinced that... TikTok is going to die in the next couple of years, just like Vine did, that I'm like not, I'm like putting all my chips on this happening because I don't want to get on it. I don't want to do it. I find it, I've said this a bunch of times on the podcast already, so everyone knows I'm a TikTok hater, but like, I'm sure it's going to go down somehow. I think it's going to be falsely reporting viewership. That's what's going to tank it. I think it's going to come out that all of your follower numbers, every one of you that has 2 million TikTok followers, but you only have 1,500 on Twitter. Just do that math. It doesn't make sense. So someone's lying. And I'm so convinced that this is going to come out and happen that I'm just not doing TikTok because um, I'm old. And it's, why is it so loud? <laughs> it's so loud. And it's so annoying. Like, there's no part of the audio on that that is, like, pleasant to listen to. Yeah. I don't know. It's always the same four songs over and over and people do, just do, redo do, them. Do, 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 do. It's just like fucking, yeah, it's like Mario Kart on acid. It's awful. Yeah, it's an echo chamber. It's weird. It's like people redoing the same movie or something, like a, a small thing. They just 
keep redoing voiceovers and keep redoing dances to songs, and then they'll do duets of dances to that song. It's a very strange cultural phenomenon. But it is like a meme in the true sense of like meme being a cultural gene that mutates and gets new yes. life. So it is fascinating from like a sociological point of view to see how those things mutate and what catches on and why. Well, it's fascinating how fast it is because like I remember like Alice was kind of saying like memes 10 years ago didn't spread as fast because we weren't as connected as we are. And now like a trend on TikTok only trends for like a couple of days, which is the other reason I don't like it because I don't have fucking time to sit on TikTok all day and try to figure out what's trending and then take the time to go make a video that by the time I post it, like finish editing it and post it, is no longer trending. Yeah. TikTok is into digital nomads. Do you know how much footage I have from traveling? So much. I will never do anything with it, ever. Yeah, I remember when you used to like take traveling pictures for yourself to like maybe show people back home when you got there on <laughs> printed out car- like printed out pictures from Walgreens. I still have photo albums. In fact, behind me, those white things, one of those is a giant photo album that I used to keep all up until... I tell basically digital photos. I still got them printed out, but then there was a time I was like, you know, I'll just keep them on my my computer. That's enough. But yeah, that worries me too because I think about like how fragile that is, and I guess it's gotten less fragile recently because there's more like iCloud and recovery and stuff like that. But like I have very few pictures of when I was a teenager because all of my pictures were taken on like a crappy Motorola razor. And those didn't back up anywhere. Like, I think I backed them up once or twice to a computer I don't have anymore. So, like, any picture that I took in, like, high school or middle school, like, those are just gone. Which, on one hand, kind of fortuitous because those were the awkward years. I'm really glad those aren't online. But it is, like, I think about, like, for future generations, like, my parents' pictures all got ruined in a flood like before I was born. So I didn't really get to see a lot of theirs. And that's always made me really sad. And like, I think if I had kids, I would be super bummed if they like want to be like, what what did you look like when you were 15 or 16? And I'm like, sorry, my MacBook crashed. But we all leave like a digital legacy online. It's just weird. The photos that are going to be saved, you know, like if you Google your real name, like what comes up, you're like, why that photo or whatever it is. So it'll, It'll be fascinating when we're like 90 and what survives the flood, like what still exists out there. Yeah. I personally cannot wait until 10 years from now. Maybe it won't even take 10 years. We are canceling politicians, anyone uh, based on TikTok history. I am ready for that. You know what? Give it six months. We don't need 10 years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure there's already people. It won't just be what you posted. It'll be what you liked. Oh, so like you make that shit private. I'm like a power liker where I'm like my friends post stuff and I'll just like it sometimes. But if it's like a video that's taking too long, but they like all my stuff, I'll like it. But maybe they say some crazy stuff at the end of that video that I didn't listen to. You know what I mean? Like maybe it's a crazy conspiracy theory. And then, you know, 10 years from now, they're like, why did you like this? I don't know. I didn't mean that Hitler cat was like dancing to Jeffrey Bezos like Bo Burnham song. It was just, I really loved the jam. Yeah, it's just a good song. Didn't listen to the lyrics. Okay. <laughs> but going back to fake cum for like two seconds. Okay, Kate or Sean, one of you guys mentioned squirt guns. And the first story I ever heard about fake cum was someone making homemade fake cum. And a friend of mine, she was... um I want to say the genre was, and I'm going to butcher this, Fukimake or something. It's where you have a beautiful woman with a fake dick. Oh, I know what you're talking about. I don't know how to pronounce it either. It's a Japanese word. Yeah. 
Exactly. Yep, I know exactly. And what you're about. obviously, you know, she can't come because it's not her, her real penis. There would be a like a, a Nerf gun filled with the fake cum attached to the penis that would be used for the cum shots. And I need to know. So first off, Sean, have you ever made your fake own fake cum? Is it your own like secret sauce? No, but can I show you something really quickly if I have it in here? Yes. While he's looking, I've never made my own. I have been on a set where they did not have any Cetaphil and a guy pulled out mayonnaise out of the fridge and was like, we could use this. And I was like, no, we can't. I was like, I have some face wash in my bag. I'll go get it. So I made this not for porn, but for a party. (laughs) It's a very large fake dick, which I drilled the hole through very carefully, which is hard because it kept wrapping around. And this is actually a weed squirter. And so I pressurized the tank and put alcohol in it and then showered people with this. Amazing. Uh, so it's like a homemade one of those. With the fake cum, everybody kind of, you can make your own batch, but there is fake cum that comes from the store, usually Bad Dragon or there's another one. And you know some people mix them with water and other things. The problem is going to be with those, if you're injecting them into people, you want to use something that's lube so that it's used to injecting in people. If it's just blasting people in the face, then you got to see what they're comfortable with. I knew one guy that used pina colada mix. Oh, that's smart. That would taste way better than soap. Yeah, it would taste good, but it'd be sugary. So you'd have a lot of stickiness oh, to clean yeah. up. And you wouldn't want it anywhere downstairs. So the Cetaphil that we most often use is soap or facial cleaner. So it's not something you would want to inject. It's just something you'd want on your body. For injecting, it usually is a lube-based cum. I actually still use Cetaphil to wash my face to this day because it does get makeup off really well. It's really gentle. (laughs) I hate when I get it in my mouth, though. It's like visceral flashbacks. Like... <laughs> but I had to train like because I w- I'm literally the guy. My buddy will take photos, and I come in and do the fake cum. Yeah. And there's like different techniques, and they would always give me shit. So there's like some guys who put it in their fingers and they fling it like Spider Man. But then there's like this technique you throw, and then I just started using the pump, and I'll just do it slowly, and then you just tell them to jiggle a little bit so it looks a little more authentic. I'm still perfecting it. I'm I'll never master it. I'll always be a student of fake pop shots. I've seen it done with like basically a ketchup dispenser as well. Like one of those restaurant mm. bottles that has the yeah. screw top. I know exactly. Kind of drizzle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they but have not the Subway. easy squeeze. No, like the ones that they have at like Subway when they're making your sandwich and they put the dressing yeah. on like that yeah. kind of thing. I've also heard of people trying to use ranch dressing watered down, but ranch dressing has little green bits in it, which is gross. And like pepper in uh, it, right? Ooh, that's questionable. And pepper. Yeah. yeah ew. Yeah, I mean, that you look sick. Um, I've definitely been on more than one set where they realized that they forgot to bring Cetaphil and they that had, had to improvise. be addressed. Yeah. But if you're going to go to like Dwayne Reed and pick up ranch dressing, they have Cetaphil like two aisles over. Right. Well, I mean, it'd be like whatever is in the fridge. I like the shoot house, which is usually like gross, like that mayonnaise thing. Um, oh. I just started bringing, because when I would go to set, I would bring a, a bag anyways of like, uh, hydrogen peroxide and iodine and the lube I liked and extra makeup and all of that stuff. So I just started buying Cetaphil and just putting it in there so that I always had it just in case. For me, working behind the scenes, I'm controlling that stuff. So I'm usually prepared. But as a performer, you don't know. You could be going to like a set where there's 20 people taking care of you or you could be going to a set where it's just one dude who kind of has no idea what he's doing. So you kind of have to yeah. be prepared for both. Oh, absolutely. And even on the sets where they're really well prepared, like I would say that 
both times that I'm remembering right now where I was on a set where they didn't have it, they were both really well-prepared sets. They had everything else. It was just, mm. you know, you're relying on one or two people to remember to put that in the bag. Right. And drive all this way amongst like 20 or thousand other things because PAs in porn work super hard and they're kind of responsible for remembering absolutely everything plus like taking care of the model. Like it's not surprising that they forget. Like yeah, I don't ever remember yeah. ever being like salty or upset about it. I was just like, oh, it's because I was a PA when I first started. So I right. was whenever I was on set with someone, I'd be like, how can I help you? <laughs> like, can I do some of your job? I'll clean up after myself. It's fine. You don't have to do this. <laughs> so, Sean, how long have you been a production assistant for? Ooh, uh, let's see, like three. Or working on productions because it's you haven't only been a production assistant. You've done a million things. Yeah, I've done a lot of things. I'm so the way I got in, I was originally like a sex and love writer in Tampa, and so I met a bunch of people and I started writing about porn people. And I realized like the more I wrote about porn, the more traffic my stories got. So it just kind of led down this road. And then I was living in San Diego and Jackie St. James posted about needing a production assistant. And uh, mainly I took the job because I knew she's like very story driven and I knew it'd be a good opportunity to start writing porn. And that was in like three or four years ago, I guess. So that's kind of how I got in. And I was listening to a little bit of Mike Quasar's interview with you guys before, and it was interesting that he kind of started writing to... Most everybody starts that way. As you, you get in as a production assistant and you realize that a lot of people who work behind the scenes are not the smartest people and that there's a lot of money to be made and that if you just show up on time and do your job and don't complain, that people will be like, you're so amazing. Can you keep working? You know, I, I think a lot of people they hate the word productionist, isn't it? Because you're like the low man on the totem pole. Like every set I'm on, I'm making the lowest amount of everybody. But I think I I do a lot of other things too. And I don't mind the production assistant stuff. I always thought it was fun. I loved getting to just kind of be on set and you get to meet different people every day. And like, yeah, because I went the route of like becoming a performer instead of moving into like writing or directing. But like it taught me a lot about how to behave on a set. Right. Like, yes. not just, like, how to, like you were saying, again, if you show up on time and you're fucking nice to people and bonus points if you can read, right. um, <laughs> they love you. You'll work forever. You're the greatest thing. I miss those days when I was, like, on porno sets and people were just like, you're so exceptional. And yeah. I look back and I'm like, uh, Ron Howard voice. Kate was not, in fact, that <laughs> exceptional. <laughs> she was getting her ego fluffed hardcore but also just like watching how people interact like with the directors and kind of like you're saying the hierarchy on a set that was a great education for me becoming a performer because I'd watched people when they maybe weren't comfortable with something and I'd seen people that negotiated that really really well right. into a compromise where they were comfortable and I saw people that freaked out had a really emotional response and we had to kill the shoot yeah. So like I learned really quickly where I was like, okay, like you can, like you're saying, not everyone's always the brightest. So if someone presents something to you where you're like, oh, maybe I'm not okay with this. Like you can play them and get what you want out of the scene as well, as long as you're kind of savvy <laughs> in there. And also nice. Like if you just walk on a set, <laughs> you you're can like, play Fuck them. You, I'm not fucking doing this. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to go well. <laughs> uh, yes. I know you mentioned that, you know, one of the reasons you started working with Jackie St. James is because of the plot driven storyline. So I have to ask, what is Andrew the best or worst storyline you've been a part of? I guess it depends what you mean the worst, because there's worse that are like in funny ways. So my problem is I am very much story driven and I very much 
I like things to be real and to make sense logically, and so much in porn doesn't. And uh, Quasar was talking about this too, but so much now we're, we're just in the advertising game where we're told by producers to make these ad scenes, which are just um, seven-second commercials that play on the top of Pornhub, which are basically like porn comic strips. And so to those, you have to do a lot of people getting stuck or like the mom not knowing even though the son is fucking whoever right in front of her so but they haven't gotten stuck on a podcast yet and gotten <laughs> fucked in the background <laughs> you just wait that that might be happening later today yes i'm kind of surprised there's not podcast porn so i, I work for this one guy where i shoot camera for him and it, this was completely an accident where i was just shooting her and the camera was rolling and i was just having a conversation with her and i try to ask really esoteric questions because i I hate the standard porn podcast questions of what's your favorite position? Whatever, blah, blah. So, you know, we'll just be talking about really weird stuff. And then he came in and started having sex with her, but we kept the conversation going. And she was like t engaging with me while he was having sex with her. And now we have to do that for every scene because that's like his fans' favorite part of it. And I want to, he wants to expand it to a podcast, but I would love to do like a, behind the the porn actor's studio where I'm just sitting there just blank, straight-faced while they're having sex and I'm asking like really detailed questions, really researched <laughs> questions about their life and their their acting knowledge. So yeah, if you guys want to collaborate, we can do that. That would be amazing. I would watch the shit out of that. <laughs> yeah, well, the trick would be it would have to be content for them. So we obviously could not pay for them to have a scene, but you know, and they just bring whoever they want to have sex with and they have sex while we talk to them. Genius. This is, we're going to make billions or hundreds or something. <laughs> at least hundreds. <laughs> yes, at least hundreds. Uh, but back to the worst scene, I, it's so hard to say. There's so many bad ones. Oh, this was the last one we shot. And it's sort of a sad story as to why, but I basically had to fill in for somebody. And I am not a sex performer, I'm a non sex performer. So I had to fill in for somebody in a feature. And so I was somebody's boyfriend, but I was supposed to be having sex with her mom. But the way we had to rewrite it was <laughs> I, so I go to have sex with the mom, but instead of having sex with the mom, I bring in my friend to have sex with her. And then I'm like hot wifed, but it's not my wife. It's my girlfriend's mom who I'm hot wifing. <laughs> Keep in mind, I'm also wearing a Santa suit this whole time. It was pretty sweet. Oh, it's just, you know, what you were wearing in, what, July, August? So, yeah, we were doing a Christmas movie, and, uh, yeah, so oh. we were dressed. Got to shoot stuff ahead of time. Yes, yeah, Production, so it's already. Like, so it's already. Yeah, they shoot the back-to-school schoolgirl shit in, like, March. Like, right. got to get time to, to get it out there. <laughs> of course, what am I thinking? <laughs> so, wait, let me get this straight. I probably can't repeat this back to you. So, you were being cuckolded or like you were like trying to get like your friend to bone someone like there's a difference between mom? hot wife and cuckold. They're yeah. very similar on the surface, okay. but they're different. Yes. So cuckolding, he gets off on being made fun of and humiliated by a dick that's bigger than his and he can't please her. Uh, hot wifing yeah. is you enjoy the fact that your wife is so hot and that, other people, other people fuck her. like to have sex with her, and they're yeah. not humiliating you. I didn't know there was a difference. Yeah, so a cuckold usually won't be like jacking off, like what during it. He'll just be sitting there, like, and you just say mean things to him. 
while you're yeah. doing it. Whereas like a hot wife, like in a real scenario too, because like hot wifing is like very popular amongst the swinger community, which by right. the way, I think the hot wifing is like the probably the most obnoxious faction of the swinger community, which is saying something because the swinger community is really obnoxious. Yeah, they are my yeah. least favorite sex positive people by far. I can't <laughs> fucking stand swingers. I'm sorry. Swinger community come for me. I can't fucking stand any of you and none of you understand consent. Like seriously, just, I don't want to fuck you and your wife yeah. ever because she probably doesn't want to do it anyways. <laughs> That's always like, you just want to cheat on your wife anyways. Yeah. yeah. But hot wifing is where you want to watch other people have sex with your wife. Cause you're like, my wife's so fucking hot. Everybody wants to bang my 42 year old wife with a Karen haircut. Even though we've had three kids, she still keeps tight. <laughs> That's what it is. It's just there. I mean, it's really because she brings the Capri Sun afterwards. Yeah, she takes care of you. It's like dudes that have a half sleeve and live in the suburbs. Like, it's just the most, like, ugh. It's like the worst part of the population. I'm so sorry. I hate you guys. (laughs) Come at me. It's fine. (laughs) What I think is fascinating is in porn, a lot of women, like, they like the idea of, like, oh, my guy, like, he gets off on the fact that I fuck other people. Like he wants me to go have sex with somebody and then come home and tell me about it. And like, he likes it. And in their mind, they're like, yeah, this is great. But then five years down the road, he's like, Hey, I want you to have sex with this person. Hey, you need to have sex with this person. It's like, it's more about them than it is the hot wife's pleasure. It's more for the guy than it is for. It feels a little human trafficky. I'm not going to, it's it's like a a pimp in a way. It is. Yeah. It's like a pimp, but you're not getting paid. Which is just extra. I mean, at least with the pimp, like they only take like twenty five percent. Well, like which is less than your dignity, <laughs> right? It's only ten percent more than the average agent fee. I mean, I, at least leave me with seventy five percent. Jeez, Louise. <laughs> Jeez, oh, Louise. Nothing to show for this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, don't get a husband who is a hot wifer. Just get a pimp. It's yeah. You know, you at least you make money. So speaking of husbands, uh, (laughs) uh, if you're a Patreon, you already know this. If you follow me on Twitter, you already know this. But I got engaged. Woo! Woo! Congratulations! (gasps) Just showed the ring up to the camera. Bling. It's beautiful. I'm just also so proud of uh, how the engagement went down. So first off, I know everybody is like congratulating me, but also like at least 60% of her friend group is like, finally, because we've been together for nine years. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I actually thought you guys were already married for a while when I first met you. Yeah, you're one of those couple you you. tell people and like, wait, you're not married? (laughs) Yeah, for the first year, I just thought he was your husband. I was like, oh, it's Alice and her husband. Yeah. In my defense... I didn't want him having access to my assets. That's a smart reason, which is why I actually discourage marriage legally. <laughs> like, have the party, but, you know, unless they're so far above your league that you could get a substantial payout if they divorce you, no reason. Which is how I plan on marrying someday. In case anyone is applicants, hit me up. Look, after going through a global pandemic, I've rationalized this, that if I die in a freak accident, which will... Look, statistically, I'm at a higher likelihood to do that. I don't want the government getting my money, and i rather this person. <laughs> so I'm all cool with marriage now. Um, oh, and we want to set a good example for our dog. Very fair. Teddy needs some guidance in his life. Let him know monogamy is possible. Yeah. Couldn't you just write that into your will, the money stuff? Then I have to get a lawyer involved. Mm. It's cheaper if we just get married. <laughs> 
I always argue this because so when I was a sex and love writer, I worked in an office, and most of our I, I would say at least one third of our staff was gay, and this was when the gay marriage thing was happening, and I was like pro like people should be able to do whatever they want, but my whole stance was like I just don't think marriage should be a legal thing. Like it should just be you know however you want to define it. You want to define it with two people. You want to define it with a man or woman, whatever. But I don't know why the government has to be involved in that. Like we can do everything with our. You can buy a house together, which is way worse or better. You can have a kid with somebody without being married. You can write stuff into your will. You can choose who you want to see you in the hospital. I don't know. So I don't get it. I'm not convinced on the marriage argument. And I wasn't either for a long time, and I'm still not totally there. But um, (laughs) I say this as a newly engaged person. But look, at the end of the day, unfortunately, um, domestic partnerships, which is what we've had for at least five years. So first off, if you have children— there are so many more substantial benefits to getting married versus hiring a lawyer, going through all the paperwork, which you could totally do. I'm totally for that. But it's you get a lot more breaks at the end of the day if you do get married, so that's number one. Number two, we did live in a state for a number of years where there was a marriage tax, where if both of Mm. you were successful individuals, then you're fucked if you get married uh, tax-wise. So we chose not to do that. Because I don't like giving away, like, a percentage of my income just because, like, of a title. And then really, at the end of the day, the way I see it is now it kind of doesn't really matter. We're both, like, registered in different states, which we're not going to be penalized tax-wise. He wants to get married. I, again, do not want to give my stuff to the government. (laughs) And you want to have a really big fun party that I can go to. Okay. In Los Angeles. I think it should be here. I mean, I'll fly anywhere else. You don't have to have a wedding. Okay, guys. Alice, and you can please tell us on like Patreon or I'm whatever. I'm going to elope. And take going my to side elope. on this. It's fine. I don't care that you elope. Elope. Go to Hawaii. Go wherever. I mean, maybe bring me just for vacation. This is what my dad said. Um, <laughs> last time we were at one of my cousin's weddings and he was around our whole family and he leaned over and he nudged me and goes, hey, hey, I'll pay for you to go get married in Hawaii. I'll pay for the whole thing and I want to come, but just for like vacation and to be there for you uh, as long as uh, none of these people come. Yeah, and I was I would, like sold. Can I get this in writing like right now? <laughs> but I still think you should have a big reception because it would be fun. And also gifts are awesome. Teddy has his eye on a new LaCroix cooking set. Some nice Calphalon, whatever. Teddy's a gourmet. <laughs> so he might want to register for things too. You have to think about your children. And also, oh my God. And also he would look so cute in like a tiny little bow tie. The ring bearer, the teddy bearer. The teddy bearer. Oh my God. Come on, Alice. It's right there. (sighs) Look, I have, and I haven't rolled this out. I have honestly thought about if I do have a bachelorette party or like an engagement party, I kind of do want a ton of adult industry friends around. And it would be fun to do it at the Wood Rocket Studio. (gasps) That would be so Oh, you're definitely having a bachelorette party because me and Ella already started planning this in a group text when you first told us a few weeks ago. And you guys are going to be in Vegas soon anyways. So Vegas, bachelorette party. Come on, Alice. You, of all people, have an excuse to buy gummy penises. Come on. I don't know anyone else. As if else. I don't already have yeah. them. Yeah, she that supports the penis pasta industry more than you do. 
I'm surprised they don't support the show, the gummy penis industry. Like, you should get them as sponsors. You should. Gummy penis industry, please email us at info at two girls, one mic and support our show. Yeah. Look, penis petting. I mean, it's a thing. It, is it? You could have them as snacks while we eat. It would be, while we, oh no, that would be really bad for the audio. I could eat them <laughs> Just, afterwards. Gummy. I like gummies. I don't care what shape they are. All forms of gummies, all gummy varieties and animals. Do they make a giant gummy penis, like a gummy dildo? Obviously, you should not put that inside of you, but like, you know how they make giant gummy bears? I do. Yes. Do they make giant gummy penises? They do. Or you can just like take a bite out of it. I feel like I've seen a giant penis candy on Venice Beach in one of those candy shops. I'm pretty sure there was a giant penis something. Huh. If it doesn't exist, then, I mean, all I'm saying is I've been in the manufacturing industry. All you'd have to do is pay the molding cost right. to create the molding of that massive penis cast, which costs on average between, I mean, look, depending on what it takes manufacturing-wise, could be anywhere between, like, we're talking 200 to 500 bucks. But that's not terrible if I can make a business out of it. So if you would like me to create, like, a 100 or 50-pound Gummy penises as my new business model. Email us. Let us know. Comment. Those would be great reception gifts. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Everybody would love them. Instead of George Almonds, giant gummy penises. Come on, Alice. This would be the best wedding ever. <laughs> God damn, I'm so eloping. I know. Are you? You should get like a white blazer to throw over your dress. That's very Alice. I'm just wearing a blazer. I'm not wearing anything underneath. Oh come Ooh. on, Do blazer some- dress. It's happening. Blazer dress would be really hot, especially if there was like really good lingerie under it. Thank you. Love that for you. I do want to let people know how it happened a little bit just because it was very me. We were staying in Aspen for a night. So it was in the morning. We were taking a gondola. Beautiful view of Aspen, beautiful view of the mountains. But what people don't know is the moments leading up to it. And we wanted a private gondola. And I wasn't sure whether or not we would have one. So I basically let the gondola person know, or I was about, yeah, gondolier. Um, I was about to let him know that I was lactose intolerant and I had dairy that morning. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) So, hey, um, great way to remember. That's the woman I want to spend the rest of my life with. (laughs) A woman who will fake diarrhea to get us a personal car. Hey, fair man. He was probably looking at it like, damn, I'm never going to wait in line at Disney again. Yeah. yeah. You're like his Make-A-Wish kid. <laughs> we couldn't imagine at Disney, like you tell the person in line, they're like, maybe you shouldn't be in this line. Right. Like maybe the gondolier was like, maybe you should stay by a bathroom. On the ground. Like, this might not be the best idea for you. Like that could have backfired in many, many ways. <laughs> No pen intended. Yeah, no, it was, intended. Intended. it was intended. Much intended. I never take my puns back. That's probably part of what makes you so successful at your job as a porno writer, because puns uh. are very important in porn. <laughs> Any kind of cringy wordplay humor. Oh, uh, I get so tired of the jokes on porn sets because it's just so. I do too. People always want to know, like, because especially now doing comedy, people are always like, what's the funniest thing that's ever happened? You must have so many funny stories. It's like, no, like I just went to work. Sometimes somebody said something kind of funny. They weren't they're cringy more. Than they're funny. way more cringy. I'm like, it's not. It's very rare that something like legitimately hilarious happened. 
And also, again, back to the people behind the scenes are not always the brightest bulbs in the chandelier. Like, <laughs> a joke is not funny if no one gets it. Right. So, like, if some, I've definitely seen people do things that were really funny, but nobody caught on to why it was funny. So yes. I was just laughing in the corner like an idiot. <laughs> Which, to be fair, happens in my regular life, too, but... You instantly connect with those people. Like, if you say a joke that nobody gets, but then the one person gets, you're like, okay, that's my person. You and I, bud. Yeah, <laughs> we're in this together. But all kidding aside, congratulations, Alice. It's very exciting, and I'm very happy for you guys. Yes, congratulations. Well, thank you. If this bachelorette bachelor party happens, obviously I will post about it everywhere or at least just on the Patreon. You know, I danced at a bachelorette party one time. So, you know, if you need a discount dancer. Clearly it wasn't a good experience if you did it one time. Yeah, my, my friend, and uh, he ended up sleeping with the bride-to-be. So we, we didn't get paid. But we weren't going to get paid. It was for my friend anyhow, and she was throwing it for her young cousin who had married a guy who was like going to the military. So it was like a really rushed wedding. So they were just throwing something together. And she was like, yeah, and I'll get my buddy Sean and his friend to uh, dance for us. It was a good, interesting experience though. Women are way more aggressive at like, they're so touchy-feely compared to guys. Guys are so tame. Women, you guys are just, you have no rules. You're like... I don't know, apes with <laughs> that are lawless outside the cage. Just <laughs> That's true with like uh, from a female perspective at strip clubs too, is that female customers are often like the instigators mm-hmm. or they'll like put even if it's kind of like innocuous, they'll put their hand on like your shoulder or something because they're you can see they're trying to get further. Right. And like males, I think just because maybe they're socialized to not be in those environments more. But I feel like if you're a dude at a strip club it's and it's not your first time at a strip club, you probably go to strip clubs somewhat frequently, right? Right, yeah. Like most, yeah. So they they know the rules. They're used to it. We've kind of, as a society, put more rules on guys of like, don't touch the woman. Right. 100%. Whereas we don't really do that with women. Yes, right. That, that's what I was trying to say. Yeah, it's very much that where it's like a socialization thing. And like, you've, I've had to like say, say that to women before where I'm like, you can't do that like just because that like our genitals look the same doesn't mean that like you can have like carte blanche to like touch me like that's yeah. still uncool it's actually even more uncomfortable <laughs> like because i i just feel like as a woman you should understand how uncomfortable that would be right like, you would think and you understand like i don't want yeah. random people touching me but yeah for some even reason there's never a disconnect been a stripper or a sex worker or whatever like you know how you feel when a dude stands too close to you in line at the grocery store like, it's creepy. Like, you know how you feel when, like, an old dude, like, casually brushes against your ass. Like, he was just trying to get to his car, but it's, like, obviously you wanted to touch my... Like, come on, dude. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like you would know and not do it, but whatever reason. Oh, wait. It might be because a lot of women out there don't see sex workers as people. <laughs> well, also, I would make the argument on top of that that women don't get to always uh we're not always encouraged to express ourselves sexually mm-hmm. uh or you know when it comes to like out at parties look i've made the mistake myself um i remember at one point i was at a party with a bunch of sex workers and one was like letting people slap her ass so obviously i i decided to slap the ass uh but i got a little too excited and then i realized wait why do i want to do that again but the second time i was thinking to myself like i probably should not do that a second time time, but I wanted to. 
And I realized it was because I never get to do this. Like no one gives me permission to just go hog wild. Whereas I feel like guys almost have this permission at times, but I could be wrong. I don't know. I just, I've never really been in a circumstance where I was like, touch the people, you're allowed. I didn't realize that there were limits. Um, to touching. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I can easily see for the layman how they can easily violate someone's consent yeah. without realizing it just because they're over-enthusiastic. Yes. And whenever it's an accident like this, and if you're listening and wondering, like, how do I behave to strip club or whatever? Like, if you make a mistake, like, th- I mean, there are people that will fucking ream your ass for it because there are angry people out there. But, like, people would do that to me. And as long as you take it nicely, if I turn around, I'm like, hey, like, don't do that. I'm not comfortable with that. Or you need to ask or you need to tip me or whatever. Like, as long as you take that well and you're like, oh, shit, I'm sorry. Like, you're clearly you understand I made a mistake. It's a it's not like you're in the wrong. It's just a social faux pas. As long as you take it and don't do it again, like no one's going to fucking rake you over the coals for it. Some people might. So be careful who you do. Uh, Just generally don't do it in general. But if you do accidentally own it and move on and be nice. I think in general with strippers, wait for them to grab your hand to move to them sometimes. Or (laughs) I just assume I just sit there. I'm like, whatever. And, you know, if they invite you into their space. Or even explicitly tell you that it's okay because there are clubs where if you touch stripper even if she's okay with it you know you might have some 300 pound bouncer come out of the shadows real fast right yeah so and that it might not even be that you violated her boundaries she might have been totally fine with it but you know this giant weirdly sean the strip club i worked at in oregon like at least four of our bouncers were named sean <laughs> I almost said, she's like, Sean might come out of the corner. And I was like, that's going to be confusing for listeners. <laughs> I just went to Portland and we went to a few strip clubs. Oh, which ones did you go we to? We went to the vegan one. <gasps> that's what uh, I worked at. Oh, really? That's like half of them, isn't it? No, it's, there's two. It's no, a chain. I'm making something up. I've never been to Portland. <laughs> there are two locations, but it's the same company. It's called Casa yeah. Diablo. Um, yep. There's one on St. Helens and there's one on McLaughlin. Wait, what makes a, a strip club vegan? Is it just their menu? We have a full kitchen and everything is vegan. And all the dancers, you can't wear any leather, silk, or wool, uh, any animal product on stage. Everything has to be vegan. Yeah. And the food's actually really good. I think I had some, we had some food and it was pretty good. I can't remember, but yeah, it was, Portland, is, the strip clubs are very different there, as you know, because it's more like a regular bar Yes. in a lot of ways. It's just more casual a lot of times there's no cover um groups of friends will come hang out together there so it's not uncommon to see like a yeah. big group of 20 something there's a bunch of groups of friends and women there. yeah just hanging out and like it's you get like your regulars that are good tippers and stuff but you got i mean like art students that are there to like sketch people like it's generally a really fun vibe and like casa only plays like oldies um, like classic rock, which was like yeah. very, they don't give a shit what you dance to. So I used to do like Sunday afternoon shifts and just do like set after set to the Red Hot Chili Peppers, um, <laughs> <laughs> which you can't do at like any other club. Like yeah. they're, they're just very chill. Like you don't have to wear heels. A lot of girls would dance. In yeah. Sneakers. sneakers, which I love that look like oh, naked yeah. with sneakers. So <laughs> hot. I mean, I knew girls that were, I, there was a girl when, that worked there when I was there who was tiny. I mean, this girl must've been 410. She was teeny tiny and she'd been like a circus performer. So she could like climb up the pole, flip herself down and she would do it barefoot because she was using her feet to literally grip the pole. It was insane. 
and all the girls are really nice. Like there's a, a pretty wide variety of like kinds of bodies and styles and vibes and everyone was really supportive. Like I never had trouble with strippers there. Like yeah. one or two, but they never lasted. It was always like a really supportive environment. The best strip club I've been to so far in my travels. So I haven't been to Portland strip clubs ever yet, uh, but I have been to the Claremont Lounge in Atlanta, oh, I know which is one. a famous one. I want to go, oh. but you can tell tell the story. Well, I want to hear your story. No, first, I haven't been. I just story. I want you to haven't? go. I haven't been. Yes. It's fantastic. So you have strippers of every age, size, body type. Some do amazing things. So just to give you guys the scenario of what this strip club looks like, it feels like you're going into a dive bar. And around, like within the bar, there is the stage and that's it. That is the one main stage. But everybody's really chill. It's great for people watching and having a good drink. And then the strippers themselves... I was kind of shocked by A, the variety, and B, I've never seen someone light her tits on fire or a uh, queef on command dollar bills, mm-hmm. like putting them into the air. Um, impressive, in my opinion. So absolutely spent a ton of money there. It was absolutely fun. If you're ever in Atlanta, go to the Claremont Lounge. You'll have a fantastic time. And then buy a T-shirt. I was reading that they specialize in older women, generally like 60, 70 I don't know if they go above 70, but I, and I believe yep. there was a woman, an older woman, it was a bigger woman. Uh, some do. Who could crush a beer can with her tits. Like that was her thing. So yes, I, I want to see all of these things. Yes. But it's very like positive. It's not, you know, it's not like a freak show. It's just like, this is who I am, yeah. you know? And I love places like that, like fetish clubs where you just let your freak flag fly and everybody's very accepting because of that type of environment. Highly recommend. And I've never had that much fun at a strip club. Nice. I'll have to add it to my list. I haven't been there either. I've never actually never been to Atlanta. So what? I'm going back at some point for a work trip, but I don't know if I'm like allowed to. Yeah, fuck it. I just yeah. won't tell any coworkers <laughs> that I'm going to go back. I'm back to feature dancing on the road is coming back in most cities, which is really exciting. But when you feature dance, you're on kind of a strict circuit where you're just hitting certain clubs that your booker has a relationship with. So you're just going to the same ones over and over again, which is not bad because you get to know people and they're nice clubs. But those are the kinds of clubs where they, and Portland is very like this. They never book features because they just don't need to. There's so many strippers in Portland that, and I mean, I remember going back there when I was like shooting, like after I'd already like been nominated for AVN awards and had a huge fan base. And I remember like calling and like begging Casa, like, hey, I'm in town. Can I come? dance I'm not even gonna charge my feature rate like I'll promote it like I really just would love to come dance there tonight and they're like nope we're full our schedule's full (laughs) can't do it I'm like okay like I I mean I get it there's like one club that does features in Portland and it's stars in Beaverton it's not even in Portland yeah that's like the only one in the area even though it has the most strip clubs of any city I think Tampa has I've heard that everybody likes to brag about how many strip clubs they have yeah I've heard it both of Portland and of Tampa I think Portland is like per capita could like be. Per the number of people, but I, yeah, I've never heard it about Tampa, but I know people in Portland are really proud of it. I'm shocked about Tampa because I went there and was so dead. I wouldn't be surprised if it was Miami. Are you sure? I'm sure because I, so are you with A-list features, Kate? No, I dance for a lean network. Okay, so yeah. you mostly do Sapphires in- Yeah, I do Sapphires in, in New, New York, York and Las and Vegas, yeah. So A-list is based out of Tampa and I was writing- and I covered so many feature dancing 
shows there. And that's actually how I got to know a lot of people there. And the, the Night Moves Awards is based out of there, which oh, is yeah. more of a, it started more of as like a dancer thing. I won one of those last year. Oh, did you? I won, I won one. fucking nerd of the year. Oh, that's like actually a really great word. <laughs> I know, isn't it? Award. Congratulations. Wait, how do you qualify for nerd of the year? They just nominate. I mean, it's kind of like um, any other. You don't know the nomination process, but it just came out. I didn't even know about it. Like somebody else texted me and was like, hey, congratulations. I was nominated for like three or four. Yeah. And then the event is just, I guess, like live streamed or whatever. But I didn't watch it because I was like, I'm not going to win. I'm not going to watch it. And then they're like, like the next day, someone was like, oh, you won. They didn't send me anything. I didn't get like a trophy or anything anything which is kind of sad i would love a trophy that said fucking i won a night moves award which you can see over there oh they gave you a trophy (laughs) rude (laughs) the hell night moves i want a fucking trophy oh but the award you have the award you don't have no proof of the award the only proof is me saying it they want you to come to the show that's the thing it's like if you go to the thing you're more than likely to win I was surprised. Again, I didn't find out till the next day when someone was like, oh, you won. And I was like, that's exciting. It's the only award I've ever won in porn. I've been nominated for several, but it's the only one I've ever won. And that's a pretty accurate one. Like, that's a pretty worthy one, you know? <laughs> it's a really... It's not just handing out the award. It's like, yeah, I could see her. She yeah. earned that. Like, I mean, I'm not saying you're not a nerd, but there's so... Okay, so first off, we both know there's so many nerds in adult in the adult oh, yeah. industry. But I'm genuinely curious, like, how did they figure out, like, all right... This is a nerd. Like, these are the nerds we're going to put in the category. Like, how'd they discern that? I think it's based mostly on, like, tweeting things besides dicks in your butthole. Like, Ah. if you're someone that tweets jokes or other stuff you're into, uh, which I do, I think that was most of the criteria was like, oh, this person. But it can't be retweets. It has to be original. It has to be original content. content. Yeah. Like. Because there's those people who think they're funny because they retweet funny people. I'm like, that's, that's not like junior. Carlos Mencia thinking he's funny. It's like, no, you just <laughs> stole that from everyone else. <laughs> or like other comics who shall remain nameless, who I've never, ever seen do a joke that I didn't already see on Twitter. Like there's one comic where I've never, and he gets way better opportunities than me all the time, which pisses me off and he's good delivery. But I've literally, I've seen him probably live like five to 10 times and I've never seen him do a single joke that I didn't already see in a viral tweet. You need to tell me in the post show. Yeah. It's yeah. just, I don't understand how everyone else has not figured this out. Cause I'm not on, I mean, I'm on Twitter a lot, but I'm not on Twitter that much <laughs> where like, I, it's, I'm not looking at obscure shit. Like the, these right. are like tweets with like 300,000 likes. So what I'm hearing is night move needs to further segment their awards to uh comedy Twitter and nerd Twitter. I think that'd yeah. be fun. Yeah. Like funniest fanny. That's kind of funny. Honestly, you could probably email them and be like, I'm going to come to this award show if you have this category. And I, they would seriously they consider would. it. They were really nice. I remember them messaging me. Oh, they're they were so very, sweet. very nice. I, I mean, it was like, cool. Fuck it. I have enough points. Let's do it. You guys should go next year and do podcasts there the whole time. They would probably be so down for that. Go to all the. It's basically, I don't know if you know what it's like, but it's every night you go to a different strip club. And so you're just partying at a strip club every night, and then the last night is the award show. And it's mostly just, like, the porn people who come down there. So if you go with a friend and then they pay for your hotel room. So it can be fun or it can be terrible depending if you're with your friends or not. It kind of sounds like Exotica. Thank you for framing it that way. Great or terrible, no in between. It's kind of like Exotica, except you don't have to stand at the convention hall for all day. It'd be like... 
Exotica at yes, night. Yes, that's what I was, yeah. Because Exotica, though, I mean, I've only, I actually think I've only been to the Denver one. And I was before I even did porn. I was actually there for charity. It was like a sex positive kink education charity <laughs> that I was there just like educating people on ethical non-monogamy. And I got to dress slutty. So it was fun. But uh, yeah, that was every night after Exotica. To my knowledge, there's always like an after event at some strip club in town. And they're always really fun. And, right. That's where I learned that you should not go to a strip club dressed like a stripper. It's very confusing for everybody, and the girls don't like it. As now having the girls been a do stripper, not like I understand it. that. I didn't know everyone else was changing after, okay? Like, everyone else went back to their hotel room and changed. I didn't know that that was a thing, so I was just like, sure, I'll get in this car and go and go straight there. Nobody told me. And then I got there, and I was like, ooh, I'm a little literally underdressed for this. <laughs> I don't have <laughs> this enough This girl's giving on. it away for yeah. free. <laughs> So shout out to Exotica because they do air the footage of this recording on their platform, which we're always super thankful for uh, sharing our podcast with their audience. But what was really nice was I had a handful of uh, their attendees contact and say, is TGOM going to be at Exotica? And not this year, but I think next year, I I feel really good about like, yeah, well, I'll have a booth. I'll show up. I'll Well, there's multiple a year, you know. I know, but I don't want to go this year. I'm lazy. You really have to plan it out. It's a whole thing. And like, uh, you're overthinking it. There's what? Chicago, New Jersey, Fort Lauderdale. Uh, Chicago, Just New Jersey, Fort Lauderdale, uh, Denver, Portland has Denver one. symptoms. Yeah, but it's a combination of things. It's like, number one, I have to make sure the booth looks good. Number two, figure out like what I want to promote, have all the cards, things like that. Uh, have the people coming to interview. You have to book all of those people. Who So who's coming to that? Plus all of the equipment we would have to ship with us. Do I have to take days off work? Am I interviewing <laughs> people there? Or are we just yeah. networking to make this Plus more simple? Plus the budget, simple? because like we're not going to make money doing that. Like there's that has to be a factor yeah. in the oh, budget. God, no. like, you, even like porn stars, because I get asked all the time by fans, like, are you going to go to Exotica, you know, Exotica, like, no, I would love to if there was any yeah. chance that I could make my money back. But unless you're a huge name, like, I cannot physically sell enough signed 8x10s and DVDs of myself to make my money back on that. And I don't escort, so I can't go see clients there. Yeah, I was about to say, that's, that's usually what it is. You're just meeting fans that are. Yeah, I didn't want to say it because I don't want to insult the Exotica people. But then you it's said. It's not their fault. It's just that a lot of girls that go to those are girls that also escort, which there's nothing wrong with. But right. they go because they can meet their fans during the day and then have dates at night, which I totally understand. But I don't do that. So for me, it would just be money down the drain. And it, conventions are so expensive when you're a performer. This is, uh, it reminds me of mainstream versus porn. It's like porn. You're overthinking like, oh, we have to have the booth. We have to do all this stuff. In porn, you just show up and you have to make it happen and something (laughs) happens. Like you don't have the luxury of like several months of planning. Like you just, Jackie St. James, who I work with a lot, we have this saying, her and I, that is we do the best with what we have. We show up and, you know, we have four people cancel. The plot line doesn't make sense. We do the best (laughs) with what we have and we just move on. And it is liberating because I am such a, control freak or what's the other perfectionist and it's a hard thing with scripts because I'm, I'm dealing with other directors and they want specific things and it's just at some point you just have to let it go and know that like it being done is better than it being done exactly how you want it to be done if that makes sense which is me trying to encourage you like you're overthinking this just show up you'll you'll get porn people walking by that are half drunk that are like sure i'll talk to you for 15 minutes that is true okay maybe 
So the answer is maybe. I probably won't do it this year, but definitely like yeah. next year. It's also, Sean, I'm traveling the fucking country now. So Also, Alice just got over her very intense binder making phase, which I think was most of her life, where anytime she would do any project, she would make an entire binder, all of Leslie Nope, mm. of every possible way that this could go and how it could happen and every scenario would be outlined. Uh, it was very nope protocol of you. Um, Tell me it wasn't useful. No, it's totally useful. I love that you do that. I love that you're a friend that does that kind of stuff. I'm happy you're relaxing a little bit more now. But yeah, no, everything you just described, Sean, is like Alice's worst nightmare. Tell me I have psychological issues without telling me I have psychological issues. It would literally give her (laughs) hives. Like she she would have a panic attack. Like, and not that I wouldn't be there for you, Alice, like with diazepam or whatever you needed, I would be there on hand. Doggy Xanax for Teddy. My chest just gets really red. Yeah. I get it because I have, my father has that really bad and I have, I have it to a degree and I have to consciously practice like just letting go. And Jackie actually had it too. And she's dealt with it a lot more and more. But do you think it gets in the way of your life more than it helps your life? I think is a big question. Not anymore with Adderall. Okay. It does for me. I mean, I get a lot of like uh, paralysis around like creative ideas, especially I'll have a really mm. good idea and I'll want to pursue it. And then I'll start thinking like, I'll start kind of doom spiraling of like, well, what if this happens or what if this doesn't work or what if people don't like it? And then I'll, I'll start thinking it out too much. And I find that when I make like yeah. sketch videos or even like tweets where I'm just trying to be like funny, even jokes in general, where it's like, if you keep overthinking it, like it's, it's actually going to get worse. Yes. Yeah. Like usually your first instinct, if you can trust your first instinct that you're like, I am a funny person. I am a talented person. I'm able to do this. Like, Not that there shouldn't be prep work, but if you're at that level where I think all three of us are in our respective fields, like I've done this before, like you've already done it. You know how to do this. Just trust that you know how to do it and go try because even when you're making something that like you can edit it, like it's not like the end of the world. You can do another take. You can whatever, especially when it's just you. But I do that constantly. That's why I haven't written anything in like six months because every time I think of an idea, I'm like, that's dumb even when it's not. I know that struggle. I think with paralysis in content creation, that's very true. For me, for projects, though, I find that's exceptionally useful because now I've figured out all the different things I need to do as part of a project, all the different routes I need to do to get it to market. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It just, I guess it just depends on what the outlet specifically is. Right. So, Sean, what I'm trying to say is the next time you're on set with Jackie St. James... And you can't figure out what the girl can get stuck in. I am here to help. (laughs) What around the house can we use to uh, get her stuck? Yes, I will call you up. What are some ideas off the top of your head? Where could we get porn people stuck? Uh, Okay, so we're covering the obvious. So Mm -hmm. they've gotten stuck in the dishwasher, in the laundry. They've gotten stuck in the couch. I got stuck in the oven this morning. I don't know if that's too dark. Yeah, no, they've used oh, okay. the oven. Uh, they used uh, doggy doors. They've used windows. Laundry chute. Ooh, well, you'd have to have a house with a laundry chute. Yeah, but, well, no, because you could make a fake one and you could just have like a laundry basket oh. bolted because they usually look like a laundry basket. And then you could have her upside mm-hmm. down, which is really fun for cunnilingus things. Like, <laughs> have you gotten stuck on a Zoom call? <laughs> Different kind of stuff. <laughs> what are you implying? You don't want to be here? You don't want to talk to 
I'm actually having sex right now. I'm stuck in this. Guys, I'm going to have to keep my camera off right now for this uh, call. You know, I, I don't want to keep distracting everyone. So uh, fucking in the one background. One time my dad was moving stuff around in our attic and he stepped off of the joist and got his foot stuck in the ceiling. Oh. It was just like one Birkenstock dangling above our living room, which was hilarious. Uh, he didn't That's think it was funny. Sweet. I thought it was so funny. What if like, you know those hooks that you have to your jeans? What if like, you know when you sometimes get it stuck on a, like a, on a oh, door, door knob? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, but what if she can't take the jeans off all the way and she gets fucked? Mm, yeah, do you know? That's a, like they're too tight. <laughs> no dream, no ideas, too dumb for porn. None. Um, where else can we get stuck? We're like, we could go really dark, like they're trying to hang themselves, you know, and they can't get down. That's a pure taboo idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like trying to kill themselves, but they couldn't, it, it didn't work and they're stuck. Yeah, totally pure chabu. Stuck on the suicide right. hotline. On hold. Yeah, on hold no on less. the suicide hotline. Which actually, that might be genius of the suicide hotline. Like you call them, right? They don't answer. They say, can we put you on hold? We'll be right there. And really, they're just like seeing where you are and sending the police to your house while you're waiting on hold. That is probably a good idea. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I mean, maybe they could just talk to you through it too. All the while, you're stuck hanging yourself while getting fucked. Yeah. Well, he has to fuck you to yeah. hold you up. Oh, my God. You know, he has to use his Hoarder's penis. house. What if, like, they're a hoarder and they get stuck in their own hoard? Oh, and it, like, falls on them. It falls on them, on them and they're like, I'm stuck. But, like, luckily their butthole is available. And they're like, let me pull yeah. you out. And they pull their pants down and they're like, well, we're here. Right. Before our cleanup crew. Oh, my God. Hoarder's porno parody. <sighs> I would watch the shit out of that. I would watch that so hard. <laughs> Especially because I'm all caught up on episodes of Hoarders. Like, literally all of them. That show's been on for, like, 11 seasons. I've seen all of them. Wait, have you seen the one where she, she's, like, hoarding shit? Yes! Have you seen the... Oh, that my God. so sad. It's, like, the worst because it's so cringy. But, like, at the same time, you feel so bad. I think her name is Shanna. And, like... Yeah, and she's, like... Ugh. They're like, don't don't eat poop, and she's like, can I have bucket. one more before I one stop? more? Yeah, <laughs> like one before the party's last done. I want to eat food with poop in it. It's so sad. Like her house was just <laughs> before the party. Like it was so bad. It was disgusting. There was literally like Alice, like gallon jugs, like waste yeah. barrels full of gallon jugs full of poop. And like, pee, like mm -hmm. piss. It was disgusting. And so they moved her out. I think she's in like an assisted living now because she, they basically, that's one of the few ones where at the end of the episode, they actually like brought her siblings in there. Like she can't live alone. Like clearly she is not well in the head that she thinks right. this is okay. And um, they like gutted and flipped that house because it's in Washington state and it just sold for one and a half million dollars. No. Yes. I literally just looked this up because I'm in the hoarder subreddit and uh, someone was posting about it and like, yeah, um, it looks gorgeous, but I wouldn't let my kids play in that yard. Oh. Yeah. Oh, and that's why you don't make a hoarder's porn. No. Okay. Well, just like one of the not gross no. ones because I like the episodes of hoarders where they're not really super sick. They're kind of just eccentric and they hoard like cool shit. Yeah. Because there's one where there's like a guy in like uh, Las Vegas or outside of Las Vegas and he has like an Apollo 13 like lunar missile landing thing, like replica. And it's so cool. And he has like a bunch of like old Hollywood shades, like a bunch of Liberace's like suits and stuff. 
You're like, this is awesome. Oh. And his wife's like, we have to get rid right. of this. And I'm like, if I was your wife, I would not make you get rid of this. This is fucking awesome. Like this yeah, is so wife. fun. You just collect suits of armor. Like I'm here for, and it's not like he didn't have money to like keep it up. He owned like, he filled up his first house and then he bought the two other houses on the side of it. And you can go for a tour on certain days. I think I really want to go. See, and then it's making money. I was like, this is dope. It's just a business. That's not, yeah, that's not, I mean, it was a lot of stuff, but I'm like, that's like, if it's cool shit or there's one in Florida where this like, it's just super old lady and she wears her hair up in like a beehive, like Copacabana style up to you. And she just, like, has a DeLorean, like, in her garage. <laughs> like, and it's covered in, like, plastic bags. And she's like, that's my DeLorean. Like, it's nothing. You're like, this lady's <laughs> fucking rad. Like, I love this lady. I'm sure you could contact her and be like, yo, we got to get a porn performer stuck in the DeLorean. I wish. It was a long time ago. That episode's, like, 10 years old. I'm pretty sure she's dead. A lot of times they die. Then you know it's up for sale. You know, they yeah. might have sold it on the episode. Uh, maybe because sometimes they like when there is valuable stuff they go sell it because they're like underwater on their mortgage or whatever because of the hoard but th like a lot of times on hoarders if you like google like follow up what happened to this person like at least 50 percent of them they're dead like they're usually older people so right yeah it takes a long time to accumulate all those pudding cups and yeah and they're not in good health they're breathing in like rat piss so they're not Right. And like eating cockroaches and poop. So, okay. So, whoa, whoa, whoa. There is a website called DeLorean.com where you can buy used inventory. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you could buy pre owned DeLoreans. Yeah. I didn't know that. Only DeLoreans? Yeah. Only DeLoreans. They're a huge collector car. They're worth a ton of money. Hmm. They're very, very popular amongst collectors. I've always wanted one. I think they're so cool. Do the doors normally open like that? Or is that yeah, just the okay. bat wing doors? Yeah. They all open like that. There's a really great documentary. Have you guys seen that? Framing John DeLorean? No. No. Oh, it's really cool. It talks about him and like he's a really interesting guy. And like I watched it a while ago, so I don't remember all of it, but it was, I think it's on Netflix. It was really good. Okay. All right. So a 1981 DeLorean will go for like 57, but you could also buy an 82 for 46K. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is, yeah, so it does cost a yeah. pretty They're penny. They're also really expensive to keep up because you have to buy all of the parts yeah, from that website. Oh, like, you can't just go to AutoZone. <laughs> Do you <laughs> have a 1982 DeLorean? <laughs> DeLorean bumper? Like, I just need one. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, Sean, where can our listeners find more of you? Well, uh, it's just my name. So, S-H-A-W-N-A-L-F-F, -F, and that's on all the platforms, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. So if you <laughs> whatever zoomer. <laughs> I'm gonna make a TikTok of this whole Zoom meeting and it's gonna be hilarious. I'm gonna make you guys look really stupid and me really cool. You guys are just gonna be like, uh the whole time. It's gonna be great. I'm gonna cut it. I mean it's really easy. Yeah. There's a really good TikTok where it just makes Joe like Joe Rogan's already kind of crazy, but it just has his like reaction faces and he's like, what? Hmm? It's good. So that's what I'm going to do with y'all's podcast. <laughs> I don't know, man. My uh, friend, Melissa, she went on Joe Rogan's show a while back and it was hysterical because someone took the footage of um, my friend, Melissa Chen, on Joe Rogan and stripped it down to make it seem like Joe Rogan was in love with her yeah. and kidnapped her and she that's went hilarious. missing. That's probably the TikTok thing that I've been watching. It's like they, he just cuts it up weird for each episode and it's like strange reactions. It's great. I haven't seen it on TikTok. This was pre-TikTok. Oh, okay. Um, it was a different... So, maybe. I'll have to send it to you. 
I want bets on how long it takes before Joe Rogan tries to go to space. It's got to be six months. Yeah. He'll be one of the first and he'll probably do a podcast from up there. Elon's just going to invite him, right? Yeah. Like he's just going to, they hang out. Like he's just going to be like, Joe, come to on my spaceship. They'll do like jujitsu yeah, up there like thousand, like in thousand, zero gravity. The first Joe Rogan experience, it's out of this world. <laughs> I swear to God if they use that. I swear to God. And they'll talk about like Bitcoin while they're up there. Yeah. Great. This is the future, man. <laughs> we're in the future. We're living It's hard to believe I saw this all on my DMT trip 13 years ago. <laughs> they'll do DMT while in zero gravity. Of course they will. Yeah. I mean, I would, would I watch that? Yeah, I I would, I would watch it. I would definitely watch it. It's just such a tricky thing between snarking on Joe Rogan and wanting to be on Joe Rogan, right? Like, I feel like back in the day, people couldn't make fun of David Letterman on his, on the internet when they wanted to get on the Tonight Show. Right. And now it's like, I have a platform and it's like, don't say it. Just bite your tongue for once in your life. Don't implode your career. He's a comedian. He's used to being made fun of. Like, if you don't talk shit about him, like, yeah. He's used to being talked shit about. You know. Like, you, didn't you have a podcast or something where you'd have people on that, like, made terrible comments about you? Yeah. You guys all love that shit. producer told me I was insane. <laughs> like, I literally, the guy that started the Joe Rogan experience was like, that's the best idea I've heard for a podcast in years. And also, you're crazy. And I was like, thank you. The problem is those people are just not interesting people that are leaving those comments. No, and also, well, I mean, some of them were. It's just that I got through like 10 of them and then everyone realized what I was doing and they didn't want to be on it anymore. And Uh, it was like kind of shitty. I think you have to be more famous to be able than I am to be able to do that. Um, Because there is a comedian in New York that has a show that's called like Everybody Hates or Why Does Everyone Hate Me? Something like that. I saw it on Instagram and he's been doing it way longer. It was just like a parallel thought, I guess. Right. But uh, he has regular guests because he has like a huge online following. So I was like, oh, okay, I just, it was just preemptive. I should have waited till I was more famous to launch that. Yikes. Clearly. <laughs> you can always pick it up again. Resurrect it. Joe, make cake famous so she can relaunch her podcast. That's all I want, Joe. <laughs> That's all I want. I say this as if he ever listens to the show. You never know. He's a renaissance man. I mean, it's weird because he started following me at like 2,000 followers. And I'm like, why? There's no one better. He doesn't follow me. And we've been tagged in tweets together, which is like fine. <laughs> but he never uses Twitter. He just, what was what does he do? He does that function on like Instagram where it's like post to Twitter. He doesn't fucking yeah. use it. No, yeah. Such problems that you guys have that, you know, he follows you and you've been tagged in tweets with Joe Rogan. I will never. Nothing. They liked the any... tweet too. <laughs> like, so you saw it. You just weren't like, hey, what's this Kate Kennedy girl? She seems awesome. Joe, follow Kate. Uh, Joe, uh, help Sean get women more stuck in stuff or men more stuck in stuff. No. Uh, you know, I'm all about every gender being stuck in a situation they don't want to be in. That's a free-for-all. Right. And getting yeah. fucked. Um, so, oh, actually, we're, you know, uh, getting out of COVID, kind of. Uh, so people being stuck uh, back at the office getting fucked where they don't want to and they want to be working from home. Yeah. I think they could get fucked there, both literally and figuratively. Yeah. Stuck in the copier. So, ooh, yeah, your boobs, like you're just taking... Yeah, well, yeah, what if you were, like, Xeroxing your titties, and then your your <laughs> extension gets stuck, and then you're just bent over the Xerox machine, and the intern yeah. comes or in... Or stuck in, like, the escalator. Like, can you help me? I know we don't pay you, but can you help me? He's like, you can pay me another way. 
and it gets you out of the Xerox machine. You're welcome, Sean. That's a whole porno. Well, written. I just wrote the whole thing. Yeah, you guys did my job for me. Thank you. No, I can. I actually do have to. I am going to go back to write a script, but I don't think anybody will be stuck in this one. Sadly, because that's all I know how to write now. Aww. Aww. It'll just be uh, the step sisters, cousins, boyfriends, girlfriends. Santa Claus impersonator. Best friend. Santa Claus, yeah. 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 <laughs> it's going to be great. Kate, where can our listeners find more of you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the OG Kennedy. That's the as in the OG as in original gangster Kennedy, like the dead president. You can find me on Instagram at the PG, like the movie rating, because it's safe for work. Kennedy of the rest is the same. And you can subscribe to my OnlyFans if you would like to at theogkennedy.com. I really appreciate it because it keeps the lights on as much fun as it is to brainstorm Orders, porno plots, and reasons why Joe Rogan should follow me on Twitter. Uh, none of those so far pay the bills. So thanks, Bama Nudes. Guys, you can follow the show at all places at TGM Podcast. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe. If you could throw a buck at us on Patreon, do it. Uh, Patreon.com slash two girls and Mike. You'll get the full video version of this. And if you can't, that's fine. Make sure to leave us a like, review, five stars. We're not supposed to say give us five stars, but I'm saying give us five stars. Uh, and you could find me, Alice, at all places at Rational Blonde. And of course, you'll see us here next week. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>